Welcome to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry, and I believe every divorced woman deserves a romantic relationship where she feels safe, loved, and cherished. You can create the most amazing life after divorce, and I will teach you how. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Dating After Divorce podcast. I'm your host, Shade Curry. Um, I am so excited to have today's guest on Zoom with me. I am talking to Lori Israel. And Lori is the author of The Generous Prenups. I, I purchased it on Kindle. So I'm holding up my Kindle, my Kindle copy of The Generous Prenup. And this um uh, this book has just been so enlightening for me. Lori is an attorney, consultant, and mediator. Uh, she concentrates her practice on both prenuptial and postnuptial agreements. Uh, she works as a consultant and mediator nationwide. And Lori, you have practiced law for 35 plus years, tax law, mm-hmm. divorce law, collaborative law, like estate planning. <laughs> like you've done all of the things. Yes. So like you, you have a breadth of experience um, really around anything that could come up in this area, it sounds like. And there was something on your bio that was just so intriguing to me, and it will probably be one of my first questions. Um, you are also one of the initial practitioners and developers of the field of marital mediation. Awesome. So yes. thank you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, please say hello to the listeners and just tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, hello, everybody. Um, I I... The the thing that surprises people about me is be, I wrote a prenup book and people think that I'm pro prenup that I think they're great things and actually my message is that they're dangerous often they're unfair and they ruin people's relationships the negotiations are horrible and they have to, it sometimes they're necessary but if you do them you have to do them with real care a lot of care um, to make them yes. fair, fair, fair loving. Um, so my book is really kind of an anti-prenup book. And then Mm -hmm. I tell people some of the, some of the pitfalls and some of the ways that if they're going to do a prenup, how to make it a a good solid prenup that's marriage supportive rather Mm. than detracting from a marriage. Because marriage is very hard and money issues in marriage really are very important to people and do often cause divorce. Yes, yes. And I, I really loved your treatment of that. Um, so initially when I started reading it and you were like, prenups are terrible. I was like, my demographic <laughs> needs prenups. But of course, I read all the way to the part where you said there are certain cases yes, where right. they might be important and divorced women with significant assets, with children going into a second marriage were mm-hmm. one of your exceptions. And so we'll talk about that. But I, I really enjoyed the book. Um, the, the, I learned a lot. Um, and I think one of the things I learned was, uh, first of all, I want to say I loved your treatment of pre- prenups for LGBTQIA plus mm-hmm. couples, because that, <laughs> yes, I, 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 my guess is that's not really handled or given fair uh, consideration in many books about, you know, mm-hmm. marriage or remarriage or, mm-hmm. you know, divorce. So um, for anyone listening, I do have some listeners who are in um, same-sex relationships. I do definitely want to recommend Laurie's book covers and really does a, an amazing treatment of, of uh, your situations. Um, 
So one of the things I wanted to really start with was your concept of marital mediation, just because prior to divorce, I was wondering, like, what are your thoughts about how, what is that, first of all, and how that could, how could that help prevent divorce? Yeah, um, a lot of, um, a lot of the problems in marriage relate to money and finances, not all of them, but a lot of them. And when something goes wrong with that, sometimes meeting with a mediator who is good at financial issues, um, and I think lawyers tend to be, especially divorce lawyers, because divorce lawyers know what wrecks marriages because they're divorce lawyers. And also divorce lawyers are generalist in terms of understanding estates, trusts, assets, businesses. And so when a couple can meet with a mediator that's having a financial issue, usually in a mature, longish marriage, mm-hmm. that can be really helpful to the couple to try to figure out how they might resolve it, what kinds of thoughts are creating the disturbance in the marriage, mm-hmm. and talking it out. It, it's kind of not really a, a issue that psychotherapists or um, counselors can do that well, because it really has to do with the nitty gritty of finances, almost divorce law. Mm-hmm. But it's really important in that in to, if you're going to have a postnuptial agreement, that there's an intent to try to stay married. Um, otherwise, yeah. there's some abuses that can happen. For instance, yes. there's some cases where somebody um, uh, convinced somebody to get into a postnuptial agreement, they transferred property, and then, you know, three months later, they said, I want a divorce. Um, yes. And they, they advantage themselves in the negotiation. Mm-hmm. Because when people yeah. are married, there's something legally called a fiduciary duty that has mm-hmm. arisen, a fiduciary like trusts are fiduciaries to the beneficiaries. Married couples are fiduciaries to each other. They are supposed to be working in their best, in the, each other's best financial interests. They're supposed mm. to be honest. They're supposed to have financial honesty. You've probably run across in your practice couples where that wasn't the case. Oh, 100%, for sure. Yeah. And you actually treated that really well in the book as well. You had, a, a, I think, a chapter or a section of it on, you know, the American view of marriage and property and the fact that we have laws, they're not perfect, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but here in America, we do have laws that protect that trust, that protect that contribution to a marriage or the concept of contributing to a marriage. And you talked about how a prenup could actually override that and harm a spouse. Yeah. It's interesting because you've probably heard that contracts have to have consideration. In other words, if you pay me something, I have to give you something. That's Mm -hmm. consideration. And oddly enough, in most states, uh, prenups don't have to have any consideration. So somebody is taking something away from somebody without giving them anything. And this is before the marriage, when people might be engaged. And lots of states say that before you get married, you don't have a fiduciary duty. And yet some people have been engaged for years and have a very close relationship. And yet a prenup lets them Prenup law in most states let them do some very harsh dealing in mm-hmm. the prenup, and that's that's harmful to a marriage because yeah. you, the the negotiations are harmful. You you feel like the person doesn't care about you anymore mm-hmm. because he or she wants to take away things that you know could be rightfully yours and put you in a bad situation when you yeah. think about how you'll be twenty or thirty down, years down the road. Yeah. 
And this is this is really important for women because as of 2023, we have a, <laughs> things are not so yes. to speak, in the culture of fair, there's still a uh, gender wage gap. All of that is still sure. currently happening. And, you know, knowing my audience, what my clients have been through, what I went through, uh, women tend to be, not always, tend to be the ones in the relationship who are earning less or who are leaving their jobs or giving up their careers to stay mm-hmm. home, to, you know, raise the children, homeschool, mm-hmm. all of those things. And I remember that in your book, you had a then you had an example of how, you know, someone who gave up her career, but then had a prenup mm-hmm. there, he he kept a certain part, he, he ran a business and he kept a certain, he, mm-hmm. he was able to keep part of he, the increase in his business or the profits over time mm-hmm. out of marital property. But then you have the spouse who is raising children yes, and not right. able to do the same. Yeah. And, you know, when you know about that and you're married and you see that happening, how it's going to hurt your marriage. And it it, it also the person that, that is doing that, the person that's in the business, they, they must know they must feel guilty and feel bad about it. And so that's mm-hmm. when a marital mediator, a postnuptial agreement mediator can come in and help a couple think about it and try to come up with a more fair result. And mm-hmm. even if they had a prenup, they can amend the prenup. I call it a fixing, fixing a prenup postnup. You know, Love it. sometimes I, I get calls and I'm asked to do that. I'm asked to help people fix their prenup because it was rushed. It was very um, kind of nasty and they don't want mm-hmm. that. Any, even the more money mm-hmm. stuff doesn't want that anymore. And I so you kind of work it out again. So that yeah. Can happen. yeah. And I think, I would love to, this was going to be one of my last questions, but I think this is a good time to bring this up. Just having that conversation. If you're in a relationship where, you know, and you you talked about wealthy families where it's the parents of the person getting married who want a prenup or who say, well, we want to protect our family assets from the spouse, et cetera, or someone who is already in that relationship where there's a prenup and they're starting to feel like it's unfair, um, how do you bring up that conversation? How do you start that conversation? If you're the person who's like, this is hard, I hate this. Yeah, well, if people are getting married, if if they have if they're working on the prenup, um, there's always that it's usually that uncomfortable time. But what what, what a prenup it, that's why mediation is such a great way to start the process. Because you have a neutral mediator who's going to have some talks with the people. And sometimes people, when they just talk together, that talk can get really hot and they don't have the tools to be able to think about it. Whereas if you have a trained mediator who is a, probably a divorce lawyer, because divorce lawyers seem to be more sensitive about marriage and don't view a prenup just as asset protection, because a lot of business attorneys and estate planners, that's just the way they view it. This is asset protection. But um, what I do when I refer people to attorneys after I do the mediation um, to write it up, I, I go to the collaborative law divorce bar, the collaborative lawyers who are really good lawyers that know divorce, that know that know what happens to marriage. And they're, they're good at finishing up the process. Right. Um, so, you know, it's it, talking about having the people in a room with a mediator talking directly rather than starting by having two lawyers mm-hmm. hash it out and maybe not really reflect what their clients want. Right. It just seems a, it's it's functionally a better way to do it in yeah. practical cases. 
Yeah, you're coming from the perspective that both parties want the best for each other, especially if they're getting married for the first time and they love each other. Yes. Um, now, we assume that, you know, at the beginning, then people who are, you know, divorced, like my clients, and they're going into this second relationship that's, and they do love each other. They just met this person. Yes. That's sometimes a good reason to have a prenup. And I'll tell you, yeah. I'll tell you. How, why? If people have some money, um, you know, if people are, have some money, then they probably want to be able to give money to their children when they die, the children of the first marriage. Um, they, some of them have been through a really bad divorce and they don't want that to happen again. They don't want to have to go to court again and have a horrible divorce. And prenuptial agreements can have alternative dispute resolutions. And I have a very robust one in my agreements and in my, my, uh, my term sheets for mediation that says mediation first, then collaborative law. Then if that doesn't work, binding arbitration. And if that doesn't work, um, non-binding arbitration, um, you can't arbitrate the rights of the children of the marriage, but you can, you can arbitrate in a non-binding way that, that if you agree on it, it will be approved by the court. If the court feels it's, it's fair to the children, because courts have a policy, a state policy to protect children. Um, What's the difference between mediation and arbitration? Mediation is, mediation is a, is it's a very good question, and I haven't been asked that before. But mediation is where you you meet with somebody and you talk things out, and the mediator can help you come to a resolution. Um, the the mediator is not going to decide for you. You and your spouse or your future spouse will decide for yourself, and the mediator will probably write something up either as a term sheet or a memorandum of understanding, which is your understanding, which could be made into a binding enforceable contract. Mm-hmm. Um, mediators sometimes write contracts um, if they're in the same same state as the people they're meeting for. If you're if the mediator is if these are in a different state, then they'll refer them to attorneys if, if they want to write it up. And arbit- arbitration is almost a substitute for going to court. The parties hire an arbitrator who can be a, often most often is a lawyer sometimes a retired drudge, and they pay that person to get all the evidence. And usually the rules of evidence don't apply as much as they do in court so that it's a streamlined process. And the mm-hmm. arbitrator comes out with a decision on what happens if it's a divorce, say, a decision about property division. Um, it, it could be a decision about alimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, that, it, that decision can be binding. So right. that people have to live with that. Um, okay. So it's sort of like a sort of like you went to trial, but you didn't have to right. do it's the whole big dramatic and trial it, thing. It's much faster and much much less expensive than going to court. Oh, that sounds um, amazing. Yeah, <laughs> it's really good. And you yeah. know, a prenup agreement could just have that, you know, just yeah. that provision. But but prenups, yeah. you know, they're kind of a double-edged sword because sometimes they really hurt and sometimes they really help. They really relieve people so that they mm-hmm. can have a better marriage, like the second yeah. marriage situation. Like the second marriage, yeah. Or situations um, where parents are really trying, rich parents are trying to get you to have a prenup. And you're kind of in between your love for your parents and your love for your spouse. And, you know, you can't really say no to your parents, but you want to be generous mm-hmm. to your spouse. Because people, yes. when, they're, when they're getting married, they, they do want to be generous to each other. 
Do you wonder exactly how divorced women just like you are meeting eligible men who want a real relationship and a commitment? They're doing it by dating with their core values. Your core values are the GPS that lead you to the partner you've been looking for. When you use your core values on dating apps, text messages, and at social events, you will easily connect with your true match partner without chasing, settling, or wasting time with non-committal men. I have taught exactly how to do this in the two-hour Core Values Dating Blueprint course available on my website, shadecurry.com forward slash dating. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y dot com forward slash dating. You will learn exactly how to identify your core values and use them on your dating profile, how to ask the right questions via text, and how to tell the right stories on dates so that you attract the right people and repel those who aren't right for you. If you're ready to meet your true match, hop over to shadecurry.com forward slash dating or click the link in the show notes. Now back to the episode. Yes, yes. And actually, I think we should dig into your concept of a generous prenup. You talked about the generous prenup. You talked about uh, contribution Mm -hmm. And what that means and how important that is to the health of the marriage. So what, what are your thoughts? Like if you were to say, if someone said, Hey, what's the, what's a generous prenup? I want to prenup in in my second marriage, but Mm -hmm. I want it to be generous. I want to make sure I'm taking care of my spouse and I'm being fair. And I am making sure that our marriage will be healthy, even though I'm passing on some of these Mm -hmm. other assets to my children. Yes. Um, well, first of all, I want to say sometimes it, some of the assets can be passed directly and some of them can be used in a Q-tip trust for the spouse that is surviving. And then what's left gets um, passed to your children. And that trust can be an income only trust or it can, you know, there, it can have some triggers so that it's likely that the money is not all used up unless it needs mm-hmm. to be. But in, in a second marriage, it's really important to look at the, the financial health of each of the parties, because sometimes people are equally financially healthy. I, I shouldn't use the word healthy, but secure. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes people aren't. And so even, even though you have children from your first marriage and you're getting married again, you, you do need to be caring and assess carefully that the other person's needs and look towards old age, too. You know, yes. look the future. Yeah. And then situations where, you know, you know, if you pass away first or if they pass away first, really taking care of that whole. And I think one of the things I thought about was if the spouses aren't able to be generous or able to really look at the whole contribution, they possibly should reconsider whether or not this is the person. (laughs) That's my that's my job. My job is to help. Divorced yeah. women get to the point where they're certain that this is yes. the person for them. What what else is marriage but being considerate to each other? Yeah. You know, yes. Anything, you know, really, that's the key to it, to really caring about another person yeah. and putting their interests in the forefront and right. also supporting each other. Because in a marriage, when you can support each other, and I don't mean money, but support, which means somebody can stay at home and take care of a house and be the householder and have, you know, do that as their contribution. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that can free up the other person to make money and to be out in the world and do that part of it. But And that's where contribution comes in, because people have different types of contributions in marriage. Okay. And, 
when you start removing your contributions, then you start making the marriage limp, um, mm-hmm. weak. Right. What are the, I think about contribution. I know, you know, someone who raises the kids or, you know, brings finances. What other types of contribution are there in, in relationships? Companionship, um, you know, reading, reading in the same room together and sharing what you're doing, um, watching together, you know, doing things, having some interests shared. They don't have to be all shared. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody to talk to um, yeah. when you get home or if you're home all day and your stress is all day, somebody to talk to. Somebody yeah. who you know will take care of you when you get old and sick mm-hmm. and you'll do the same to, for them. Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was thinking, I was talking to my... I was talking to my clients this morning and some of them are always like, I'm going to put off this dating thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm so glad I didn't put off dating and getting married a second time because yeah. just in, in this last month, we've just had some challenges with our teenagers. And I'm like, I'm so glad I'm not <laughs> single right now. I mean, I could handle it if I were, yeah. but my God, yeah. so much better. Oh yeah. And have people someone bring different to... strengths to marriages. Yes. Uh, and sometimes the same ones, but you know, sometimes people have different, different strengths. Um, yeah, you know, and and that's really good, and appreciating yeah. another person, appreciating the other person's personality, and maybe yes. trying not to emphasize their defaults that you can see pretty well too. Hey, yeah, no, for sure, for sure, and I think it, yeah. and sometimes it does depend on what the faults are. Um, yeah. I think a lot of us who are in long term marriages who got divorced was because just. You, you know, at least in my case, and in many of my clients' cases, you were with someone who was bent on not making their contribution. Yeah. You know, uh, my ex-husband, six months before we separated, which the separation and the divorce were a surprise to me, mm-hmm. had um, opened a new LLC. So we all, we had an LLC together and, you know, we started a business together. And at the point of the divorce, I had, you know, sort of pivoted to homeschool the kids and he was mostly running the business, mm-hmm. but he had started a new LLC and all of the finances from clients were funneling through this new LLC with new bank accounts. And I had no idea for almost nine months. And so, um, no, of course, in that case, you know, when I think the way I think about it, and I'd love to know your thoughts, I don't even know that a prenup could have helped in that situation where you have someone who's just not wanting to make their contribution. Yeah. Well, you know, as a divorce lawyer, when somebody does that, that's kind of, that's a financial infidelity and all that money could be drawn back in divorce Mm -hmm. law. It's kind of, you know, it's fraud basically. And and yeah. I've run into that very little in my law practice, luckily, and maybe because people who chose me, you know, didn't do that. But um, but that's that sort of thing is what divorce law um, cures because you're not supposed to do that. Um, right. There's a there's a there's a word there's a, a term in law called fraudulent conveyance. Like if somebody's suing you, or you know somebody's going to sue you, um, and you transfer all your assets to somebody else, they mm. can be pulled back. You know, right. That, yeah. You know, so the the law does does cure problems like that, and I hope that they did for you when you when you got divorced. <laughs> it's you know, I think you know with the divorce. I think there was a way my uh, my attorney put it. She's like, no one's ever happy. No one ever feels like everything <laughs> yes, right. played out fairly after a divorce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so I'm I'm. It probably did, but you know, I don't know that I necessarily mm-hmm. see it or feel that way, which is fine. It's not a problem. Yeah. It was okay. um sometimes the joy of being in a healthy relationship far outweighs whatever monies you know I wanted to recover or thought I could or should recover. 
Yeah. yeah right. Right. Yeah. So I have a few clients currently, and one of them is eagerly waiting for the podcast to come out. So <laughs> she is, uh, one of them is, she's 63 years old. She has her own business, uh, makes, you know, multiple six figures. Um, and she is now in a, you know, an exclusive relationship for over six months now. She and her uh, boyfriend are planning to move in together and purchase assets together, a home together later this year. And, you know, he's a great guy. They have had all of these conversations. Mm -hmm. They both feel like, yeah, we both have children. Our children are in different places in life. Some are more settled, some are a little less settled. And, you know, they've agreed to create a prenup Mm -hmm. to, you know, facilitate sort of just those wishes. How should, if you were to give them, okay, this is where to start. This is the first call to make. This is the first step to take. What would that be? I would say find a mediator who is experienced in mediating prenuptial agreements. Okay. And, um, put yourself in the care of that mediator. That mediator is going to get from you all your financial information and sift it, you know, through, through the sifting of an experienced person. Mm-hmm. Um, who's um, who can understand them, and then start having. We'll start having um, mediated, um, facilitated conversations with you about what you what you what you have, what you want might want to share, what you might want not to share. How you're going to be supporting yourself now and in the future as you age, mm-hmm. um, because you you might be using some of your your retirement assets, and how are you going to decide who's and how much and what's your living. Um, expense is going to be how are you going to support it yeah Uh, and so and and so that's a really good first step because that that process can get you to under to creating the two of you together with the help of the mediator will create a term sheet of all the terms that you want to be have in the cell in the um, mediated agreement and then what i do is i i because sometimes attorneys can really sandbag the whole thing um, they can be very aggressive about wanting to protect your assets and not mm-hmm. given any control over anything and and sometimes not listen to what you want so mm-hmm. so the the next step would what I do is i I create a list of attorneys that I find if it's in a different state um, through the internet because I have a I have screens that I use and basically I look at collaborative divorce attorneys mainly. And I look mm-hmm. at their um, at their uh, websites, and I can kind of ascertain w- usually what they're going to be like and what their attitudes are going to be like. And then yeah. we have a wonderful session, which I call the call a beauty show, where I um, put I give them their names, I, I put them on, we look at all their websites, and mm-hmm. and then they see who they want to choose. And they, yeah. usually each of them will, might um, might approach two. But they have to be different. Mm-hmm. They have to be different attorneys. And then the the attorneys already have a term sheet, so the mm-hmm. terms are pretty much done. They will provide individualized advice for their clients. One of them will write it up, or they both will. One of them will write it up. And what I do is I have them. I try to have them write it up in in, in accordance to the term sheet as might be amended or adjusted. Mm-hmm. Um, but don't give it to us until it's all written up and you think it's all ready. Otherwise, there's drafts and drafts. I don't know whether mm-hmm. you experience this in your divorce, but draft after draft of agreement with changes, and everybody yeah. gets really tired of that. Yeah, yeah. So there's 100%. one agreement then based on the term sheet. It's really streamlined process that pretty much has everything in it near the near the final. Love it. So that's so good. The best best way to in general to do it, and the yeah. way that creates the most peace with the couple 
because um, prenups can be very emotional. Yes. Yeah. How, what kinds of triggers do you have you seen that come up along the way? Just emotional triggers or emotional well, responses? Triggers, responses to taking away assets, basically. Mm-hmm. Responses feeling unloved. Yeah. Yeah. Because, um, it, know, it's almost ways, love is money. They say, mm-hmm. right? Or yeah. money is love. I don't know. Money, one of the one of the ways we do show love is, you know, how we give. You know, uh, how we give to our to our children and how we give to the people we love and our family members. And I almost like and our spouses, Um, you know, and I think as as I listen to you and because I, you know, and I guess it's those of us who are uninitiated and who are not attorneys and who don't. We just we read the Internet and the Internet has so much to say about things that it doesn't know anything about. Right. Um, the word asset protection really has been a lot of what has come up um, just in general. But as I listen to you, it's almost like that's not the right term for the approach for yeah. a generous prenup. Maybe it's more like asset uh, contribution or yeah, asset, you know, yeah. yeah, it's a financial plan for your marriage. That I think yes. that's that's what I that's what I call it because yeah. that's really what it is. It's a financial plan for your marriage, right? And the marriage itself yeah. is uh, an asset. A good marriage, you know, yes. is such an asset. We are yes. wired for connection, different forms of connection. So it's not the only form, yes. um, but you know, I think bringing it to the table in these conversations as the asset really and the other assets are you know maybe secondary you know and I'm you know I'm speaking as a lay person but almost like you know if you truly love someone those are secondary not that you wouldn't take care of those issues but you wouldn't make them the main issue the the way I articulate it is what's more important to a person money or the marriage yes yes a lot of you know, a lot of people are encouraged by the media and what they read to, to make money more important and protecting yeah. your money more important to your marriage. That's, you know, that's the problem because mm. the marriage is really, if you're getting married, the marriage is more important than anything. So don't do yeah. something that would uh, detract from that. Yes. Yes. Um, thank you so much for sharing. It really is uh, I guess your your view and your book are really a voice of reason to the <laughs> whenever a celebrity gets divorced, there's always a lot of interest in how yes, are they dividing right. the assets and how much did she get and I, all of those I'd numbers. Like to, I'd like to say two more things. One is that um, there's a lot of pushback on my views by younger people like millennials and um and they say, you know, why shouldn't we have a plan for our marriage? You know, why should we take a risk? But the problem is, is that these people have not experienced what a long-term marriage is. Mm-hmm. And they also don't understand what the laws about, about marriage and, and divorce and, and estates are. Mm-hmm. And that laws are designed to be good. Not that you have to um, submit yourself to them and, you know, you can have a prenup. But it's not that they should be thrown away. They're they're very persuasive, and so if you have a prenup, you can actually you can actually be more generous than the law is in some ways, and less generous. And but you know what you're doing. But the young people that object to not having a prenup, they I think they literally they don't know what what a long term marriage is, and, mm-hmm. and I'm afraid that they are taking actions that are going to hurt themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Well. 
I think um, that's a call to say, hey, everyone, (laughs) whether you're considering your first marriage or your second or third marriage or, you know, whatever, if you are like this, I think this is just your book is just a great education for all adults. Um, I learned I learned a lot. It opened my eyes. It, It really has put some conversations on the table for my husband and I about like, you know, and even we're very happy with the way we have things set up in our relationship, uh-huh. but I'm like, yeah. you know, we could be, we could do some things better. We could be more open. You know, I was like, you know, yeah. so I, I really appreciate the book. Um, You know, listeners, I really just want to encourage all of you to just read. This is just, it, it should just be required reading in general. <laughs> if you're going to be in any relationship of any kind, uh-huh. any kind of romantic relationship, yeah, right. because the concepts and the ideas are really, you outline them in a way as to promote the health of all the relationships, whichever, whichever one is. And you, you know, because you have the expertise in law, you told us what we didn't know, all the stuff that we were making assumptions about from the outside of the law, you really laid it out in simple language that was very, very helpful. And I've already given your name to a couple of my clients who are in that position and said, hey, you should really check out this book and check, check out the podcast when it comes out. So um, um, and one more thing, an article was written that appeared yesterday online. It's in The Cut, which is the New York Magazine part, online part. And the author was named um, Charlotte Cowles, C-O-W-L-E-S. Mm-hmm. So if you search her name and my name, mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's called, um, why we don't, we may not have to have a prenup and she interviewed me. It's a whole long interview of my, my views. So you'll be able to read them if you, um, access that article. We will link that up. Um, I'll get the link from you and we'll link that up in the show notes as well as your website and, um, any other links that you 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 would like. The book can be gotten in Kindle or, or print version, uh, from Amazon. Right. Okay. So any last words, the majority of my listeners are divorced women who are dating again, who are considering a new relationship. I think finances is one of the fears that keeps them from dating again. What words of wisdom, advice, encouragement would you have for the listeners? Uh, I think I think that, um, you know, one of the things that you said, you know, made me think about, you know, women and men tend to have different values in certain respects. And men are seem in general more attuned to the work world and succeeding in it and making money, and um, you know that's that's important for them. Men do sports, you know, and it might be something like sports. And women are very into personal relationships, children, home, and that that creates a difference. That creates a difference in very often in financial picture between men and women. But it's it goes back to contribution, where both parties contribute. Um, to to the marriage in different ways, and so a lot of people, a lot of women who make have less money or make less money or have less assets feel guilty about it, but it they they shouldn't because you the women are contributing something else. Yes, Everybody yes, contributing, and those contributions are equal, or else you wouldn't want to get married. They would the two people wouldn't get married. A hundred percent. So, 100%. so d- what? I, my my. I guess my advice is not to sell yourself short because mm-hmm. you don't have as much assets as the, the person you're dating. Yeah, you don't have as much income. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Not, that's yeah. not. Thank you so much. So important. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today for sharing so generously of your knowledge. Um, listeners, definitely go to the show notes, read the New York Times article. 
check out Lori's book. I love the book. I read it. And when, when we scheduled, I was like, I definitely want to read this. So I gave myself enough time to read the book. I highly recommend it because I think uh, often we're getting advice from friends and family who don't know what's up with, you know, marriage and money. And Lori's uh, book really is quite an education. So um, Lori, thank you again for being here thank today. You. Appreciate your time, it's listeners. Delightful. We appreciate your time and attention and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening today. If you are ready to get married after divorce, I want to invite you to download my free eight video training specifically designed to help divorced women date with ease and get married again. Head over to shadecurry.com to get started. That's S-A-D-E-C-U-R-R-Y.com. I'll see you inside.